Preached No Hope, the podcast. A relentless auditory assault. Hello, everyone. We are back. We are back with part two with Don Magyar, No Hope, the podcast. Another fresh episode collaboration and creation for you. Exactly. We're going to hear more from Dawn about her uh, amazing career in theater. Um, we're going to continue her uh, her story, uh, starting with Blue Man. Hello, Dawn, by the way. Dawn, you're there. Hi. Hello. Hi there. Great. Dawn is here. Technology is working. Um, Dawn, wait, you're we're talking to you. Um, we're both in Washington Heights and you're in Tucson. Is that right? Correct. Tucson, Arizona. I, Nice. I don't know if we said that That's last why you've time. Got actually. all the natural light around <laughs> surrounding you, bathing you in in uh, yes. in beautiful natural celestial light. Celestial, celestial light, celestial yes. tones, plenty Love of it. sun. Um, so before we get started talking to Don again, let us do a few of these wonderful things that we call rewinds. Okay, rewind. Um, First of all, we have to get some backup evidence from you, Scott, who were oh, suffering wow. horribly uh, with the bird noises outside yeah. your window at all hours of the morning. And um, you said you were going to record them for us yes. so that we could it, we, we could sort of empathize, I think is the word, <laughs> empathize with your pain. Oh, my God. I can just like you're dripping with sarcasm. You you don't care about my experience. Um, <laughs> yeah. So because I'm a man of his word, uh, actually, well, it's August in <laughs> in New York City. Um, so I actually like have been sleeping with the AC on. But the other day, like I was getting out of the shower and actually I heard one like performing a solo aria outside my outside my window and so um so i did i basically like bolted for my phone um and i hope this works and that you can hear it (laughs) i mean admittedly you played that for us earlier and it really does sound like a sound effect from right? a slasher movie yeah like, like it, the psycho shower it doesn't scene. sound like a bird no and so imagine that one was just like you know like a you know just was feeling inspired in the afternoon but normally like in the morning they're like having more of a like good morning how did you sleep how are you like a conversation <laughs> type situation so there's like six of those going at it um anyway is that is, is that, that what they're saying, or are they saying like, "Do you are you ready to get fucked?" Like, is that what oh, they're saying? Oh, I mean, there could be some courting, some cor- yeah. some courting happening, or oh, we really turned one on last night, <laughs> like, or maybe there's maybe there's still up, maybe they were partying all night. Who knows? Um, anyway, maybe they were just going from branch to branch. <laughs> your turn, your turn. Uh, yeah, oh, that got weird and dark bird sex uh i think we can maybe I've like never seen turn birds have sex but obviously did you not do, watch right? like pl- do you ever watch like planet do birds you say do birds have i mean i feel like they must have sex um don't most things of the i mean i guess not everything but uh, uh, hmm 
Planet Earth. I'm trying to remember. I did like do a deep binge on Planet Earth. I'm trying to remember if I saw Bird Sex. Uh, that was you, you saw that, right? Was that the one with Sigour- the I Sigourney mean, Weaver? A lot of it. it drove I saw Chris a lot of crazy. it. I need- Chris, she would always be like, "Here on Planet Earth," like over and over and over. Which I love me some Sigourney Weaver. So we need to. I'm in a YouTube bird sex after we're done with this and <laughs> I bet find out what it actually looks like i bet you're you will yeah i bet you will find something um I... <laughs> you'll find a lot okay. of something on the dark web uh so what else do we have to talk about okay okay the other thing that we were talking about was um donny osmond being mm. a teen heartthrob like, i think that i think it was sort of like solo artist heartthrob where i wow. said the only way that i remember donny osmond was the Donnie and Marie show. I didn't remember like listening to Donnie okay. Osmond necessarily, but I remember watching the Donnie and Marie show. Don, do you, do you remember that? Cause we're like, you know, yeah. we're of the same generation. I completely remember the show. Cause he was a little bit rock and roll. She was a little bit country, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh my God. I but it. I don't remember him singing like a, like, I feel like I would have had like, some sort of 45 of his because I loved I loved him so I would I had the lunchbox the Donnie and Marie white vinyl lunchbox Ooh, uh, really sounds amazing because remember he loved purple so he would always wear like purple socks Mm. and purple stuff I do remember that I mean I looked him up on iTunes Schneider and I he has a couple of albums like that he made okay. when he was a teenager, but, like, but I didn't recognize them. Well, I didn't remember. I mean, like, and my sister who was older than yeah. me would have she, and I was like, I don't think she had them either. I don't remember well, her having them. When I, when I was listening back to that episode, I remembered what I, what I, what I was thinking in the moment, which was the, um, that song, I think I love you, but that's the Partridge family and it's David Cassidy. And, but I always did like yes. conflate the two of those in my mind. Um, and I think that's what happened there. So I am sorry to well, I- have led us astray. When you walk into the room, I think I love you. I will I will confirm that David Cassidy was a heartthrob and that my sister <laughs> did have those 45s and that I do very very much oh. remember them. Oh. The 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 um the feathered I the big I feathered hair. Ugh. He sang Da Do Run Run Run. He did. Had that cover. Oh, okay. oh my god, it was so hot 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 hot. Um anyway, so okay, we we covered the Donny Osmond thing. Oh, this is something that you said when I was listening to this episode. You said um I think I'm alone now, which you, I think you were like saying that I think I'm alone now. You thought maybe that was the Partridge family. Or, no, or I remember just the, I think. And then you and said. And then I started t- going into a Tiffany song, right?
Well, that's because Tiffany covered that song, but that's not a Tiffany song. You know that, right? Oh, that's right. I do know that. I it's a Beatles that. I song. it, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. When I heard you I mean, say the that, look I of was disdain, like, <gasps> The look of disdain. But like, you know. I don't yeah, know. You're a few years younger, so I guess you can get away with that. Um, okay. We have a few Sound of Music things, which are pretty interesting. Ooh. We talked about my favorite things. When in the fucking hell did my favorite things become a holiday song that was and which you is, had i mean postulated that perhaps babs was the the offender the one that led us down this this dark that dark was, path that was incorrect okay. so uh this is the, the three little three little tidbits so john coltrane played a 14-minute version in oh. E minor as the title track of an album recorded in October of 1960. Okay. However, that was not uh, a holiday album. No. But I thought that that was an interesting tidbit, right? A 14-minute <laughs> version of My Favorite Things by John Coltrane. I haven't yeah. listened to it yet, but I, I definitely am going to. It was Jack Jones who became the first of many artists to include the song on a Christmas album, despite its lyrics making no mention of the holiday, and that was in 1964. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens Brown paper packages tied up with strings these are a few of my favorite things. Huh. Barb, Barbara Babs recorded her very famous version in 1967. She just jumped so, on a bandwagon. So, she, yeah, yeah. But I would say at this point, um, I don't even know who Jack Jones is. And yeah, I hate to I admit know. that I, I did might. not look it up. So at this point, hers is probably the most famous version of uh, of that song on a, in a holiday done context. in like a holiday context yeah hmm. um well and then can we talk I, about I've, just brief briefly can we talk about how tim you basically how should i say like it was not a volunteer effort basically at your last holiday party informed me that i would be a company like would be accompanying like carols and songs and this and that um so i was like okay sure fine that'll be fun i mean that, that, that's not usually my jam but like sure so like you know i brought some holiday music and one of the songs that we threw into the into the ring was my favorite thing so i prepared the Rodgers and Hammerstein version. And as I started to play, you were like, no, 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 no. That's not the version. And like, you were like, slow down, slow it down, slow it down. And basically we're like music directing me like at the party as I was accompanying. Cause I'm like, I'm pretty sure I actually had never heard that Babs version. So what? it's funny. I know. Right. So it's funny. So when we pulled together a clip for, uh, for that episode, I was like, Oh, okay, now I understand why he was yelling at me. So, <laughs> uh, so full well, circle. But it was it it was very successful that sing along. By the way, it was very successful. Yeah, you have to admit. No, it was fun. It was super um, fun. Okay, so this is uh, the last one of these, but this is the, there's a couple of really fascinating things because we were talking about the fact that the Sound of Music in 1966 and the the date of its release. Mm -hmm. I always get confused about, sorry, the musical coming out and the movie coming out. Um, the Sound of Music had knocked Gone with the Wind out of the uh, highest mm. grossing film of all time. Yeah. So Gone with the Wind, <laughs> Gone with the Wind knocked The Birth of a Nation. 
out of its highest grossing spot in 1940. The Sound of Music knocked Gone with the Wind out of its highest grossing spot in 1966. And then guess what? In 1971, knocked The Sound of Music out of its highest grossing spot. A re-release of Gone with the Wind. Oh. Gone with the Wind was re-released with some, I think, with some like fancy footwork um, or maybe an edit. I can't remember which it was. And so they re-released it in the theaters in 71 and it took back the, the spot for wow. highest grossing film of all time. And, but only for a year. It only held on to it for a year until The Godfather came out in 1972. Hmm. Fun facts. So, and just one more thing is in terms of highest grossing films adjusted for inflation, Gone with the Wind is still number one. Wow. And The Sound of Music does make the top 10 at hmm. number six. Yeah. So uh, those are my those are my tidbits money, about money, that. Money, money. Okay. Um. Oh, <laughs> our friend Robert Merrill is not from Paducah, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, I was like, let's let's just fully clarify he's from, that he's from Ponca City, Oklahoma. I was like, where are you getting um, that? I don't know where I got that. I swear that he and I have talked about Paducah, Kentucky, at some point in our lives. But I'm gonna have to ask him, I guess, and and find out about that. Um. All right, those are those are the ones, um, and then we have a couple Suzanne Summers follow ups, which right. um, are are fascinating. There was oh we oh no go ahead go ahead you you go ahead you go ahead okay yeah well, there was one review that I had I had withheld reading from because you know I was I was being holier than thou and uh, I was like I I mean that's just gross like I don't like it when people like talk about people's appearances and reviews. It's so tacky. And I still feel that way. But then at the tag end of the episode, I was like, but counterpoint camel toe is really fucking funny. So there's like the word it's ridiculous. So I'm now going to read the review. That's such made, a ridiculous word. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous and stupid. So I'm going to read the review that I, you know, I, I thought I was not going to read, read, which was David Rooney of variety. Um, who said? So this is like this is not the New York yeah, Post. This is like not, a legit, um, like legit source. Um, so David Rooney of Variety says the is talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the show. Uh, and he says the good is the short running time and pre ten p.m. exit. The bad is everything between first entrance and final bows, except for an occasional climb into mediocrity. And the ugly. Those pants, let's just say a certain expression pertaining to dromedary hooves, can never be far from the minds of those sitting down front. Yeah. And it's... for those of you who don't know what dromedary is, we had to look it up. <laughs> it's the one-humped, domesticated camel widely used as a beast of burden in Northern Africa and Western Asia. Um, I mean, I mean, it was a that is a highfalutin way an in, of, of just in, being nasty, an inventive way to say something inventive. unpalatable. And I still feel bad about bringing it up, but I was fourth row orchestra, and I can confirm the assessment. <laughs> is, and I'm, we'll leave it at that. Um, and then the final thing, the final thing is we were talking about. Um, she, Suzanne Summers has had some interesting perspectives over the years yeah. and, and a lot of it about health, right. And yeah. about um, healing and modern medicine. And uh, because she 
was diagnosed with cancer at mm-hmm. at some point in her life, right? Yeah, breast and, cancer. Um, yeah, and I just I, I quickly looked it up right before we hopped on here, and I, I wasn't making this up in my head. I didn't think I did because I'm like I feel like I would remember something like this, but uh, uh, ABC News story said Hummer uh, Summers Summers uh, Summers says she's undergoing homeopathic treatment for her cancer against the will of her doc- doctors. Uh, she's given up chemotherapy and resisted doctors' suggestions that she stop taking hormones. This is what I'm doing for me. She said, I'm not telling anyone else to do this. Um, I also uh, found a little something on on WebMD. Uh, they reported that actress Suzanne Summers recent, recently revealed that she has opted to treat her breast cancer with Iskador, a drug made from a mistletoe extract. Um, so that's that's what little I know. I'm parroting back, uh, that, I, and I did not make that up. Uh, but yeah. I mean, she's and one she's still here. One kicking, final so. thing. One mm. final thing. In January of 2013, she suggested that Adam Lanza went on his shooting spree at Sandy Hook Elementary School due to the level of toxins in his diet and the household cleaners he was exposed to. She stated that all of these chemicals may over electrify the brain. Um, so, wow. Just um, you know. We'll leave. Wow. We'll, we'll leave that. We'll yeah. leave that right there because <laughs> I don't think we need to comment on no on further that sort of no further crazy. commentary required. And Don, Don, hello, Don. Are you Hi. still with us? Did we did we scare you off with our no. uh, dra- dromedary uh, tidbits? Your dromedary hooves. Dromedary hooves. Try incorporating that into your day and day lexicon. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> so, Don, you know, one thing I realized that we didn't. I mean, we talked about uh, sort of a. a quite a big chunk of your career, but I didn't ask you like how, how would you sort of, if you, when you write down your name and have comma, blah, 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 like how, how do you mostly identify yourself as, um, as a theater maker, as an artist, as a, uh, manager, like what is the, what's, what's the sort of title that you say would probably most accurately tell us what you are and who you do what you are and who you do and who you do <laughs> i was like who you who you Ooh. are and what you do <laughs> uh, um, well i mean i guess historically i've been a stage manager you know in for for theater more so i mean stage manager and tv is something kind of different ish but um but uh you know i think as i've done different things i've kind of put myself out as entertainment manager or, you know, I've, I've managed different kinds of entertainment, whether it's like a weird corporate cell phone launch or events, um, different events. Uh, and I'll, obviously theater is kind of like my go-to, but um, yeah, I'm just, I feel like I've managed entertainment in various forms, you know, over the last, especially over the last like five years or so. It feels like, I mean, even, I don't know, for some reason, the word manager doesn't seem to encapsulate all of the things that you do. Um, and not that that's a bad word or yeah. that it just feels, I don't know, a little bit like it's a, like it's a bigger bowl than that. And I know that when I was growing up and even even several years into working in theater, um, the word producer is one of those words that I used to think just meant like the person who kind of put up the money, which is not 
really accurate. I mean, that's more of investors put up the money and sure. the producers are kind of the people who get the money sometimes, you know, Although get the people to get the money, but also to make things happen. It's confusing sort of, because that term like can actually sometimes mean both like in, in theater. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right. I mean, I'm sure the Suzanne Summers producer was also the investor, but <laughs> in many cases, the producer is just the person who links all of these really skilled people together and makes things happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like hires yeah. people. And, and, um, so, and that, that word also would apply, right? I think. Yeah. I think, um, my dog's barking in the background. So I was trying to mute myself. <laughs> hey, Sherman. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I definitely, especially at Blue Man, you know, I feel like the role of a stage manager, at, at least at Blue Man Group, is quite different than, you know, in a Broadway or a regional theater setting. I definitely was way more responsible for the overall picture of the show where, you know, managing the performers and the crew. Sherman. Oh, dear. Um, uh <laughs> Oh, Lord. Um, you know, and whereas, you know, in an in a, in a equity stage manager role, you're really sort of on the same level as the performers and you don't directly hire or fire or you're not really the boss of anyone, you know, not even the crew. Like they have their own union. You and the performers are in a union and you're managed by the producers, you know, or the general general management company. So is that right, is that a right. function of Blue Man sort of like existing in a different space than traditional theater? That they're I, is is Blue Man non-union? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it falls out of the jurisdiction normally of Actors Equity because it's like gotcha. it doesn't have a book or a score or any of that stuff. I believe that's the case. Hmm. Um, it's more like a performance yeah, when art they- or something. When they came to the Astor Place Theater in probably 1991, they deemed it a circus act and said that therefore it was out of the purview of their, yeah, it was out of their jurisdiction. Oh, nice. So that would that allowed Blue Man to hire um, both equity and non-equity performers and obviously stage managers, and there was no conflict. It, it didn't, um, the, the union didn't, you know, it wasn't involved with, with the, the any, any of it. So Blue Man was allowed to build its own infrastructure which was it was a lot was based on equity right oh absolutely Um, actually there's it was the rules are slightly uh a little stricter like Hmm. at least when i worked at blue men you know they could only blue men were paid for eight shows a week but norm routinely were only scheduled for seven like Hmm. that was the good you as a manager you would try to only have them do seven shows a week um you know, during the busy times, that wasn't, you know, during the holidays and stuff they did. But then they got paid overtime after eight shows, which is the same as the union. If you're to do a ninth show, you get a certain amount of overtime pay. So, I mean, they're very, the rules were, it was definitely based in, on the Off union rules, union. for sure. You worked, you were the production stage manager in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, for, for many years, Yes. And then did you? And then you came to New York, and we were, and we had this, and we shared an office, Correct. right? Yep. We, uh, we worked with the artistic direction yep. team. Um, you were the artistic direction manager. Is Correct. that your title? I yes. can't remember. Okay. And and then you went to Vegas. Yes. 
Yes. Um, I took over the that show. Of the yeah. Vegas show. Right. And that's okay. when I became the senior PSM for all of the shows was the last three years. They decided to have that position as sort of a touchstone and a resource for all of the stage managers. I can't remember where that came from, but I'm sure I made it up because that's what I was constantly doing when I was there is making up jobs for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I do no, that I too. Mean, I love it. I, yeah. I mean, why not? Just con- I mean, just conv- if you can convince people to do the thing you want to do, why not? Right, right. <laughs> Um, and that's how I became and, the artistic direction manager was because it was literally, I was, when I was PSM of Chicago, um, the then general management team at Blue Man Productions in New York reached out to me and said, you know, how can Blue Man Productions artistic direction function better? Like you being a, sort of like a client, like the city's different shows were kind of, they relied on sort of certain things they needed from artistic direction. And it's like, so if it was like a client relationship, like how can we serve you better and be more organized? So I came up with like this whole proposal of like what that would look like. And you need someone managing the day-to-day operations. That's not a creative director or someone who's an actual manager. Um, right. So, I mean, it was kind of exciting in that I made up the job and then they were like, yeah, well, we're not really going to hire another full-time person at Blue Man Productions. And then fast forward almost a year and they're like, hey, guess what? We're going to hire this person. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then I ended up doing it. So, <laughs> but. And then when you went to Vegas, yeah. something happened there that changed, that, that again, sort of like put you on your next right. step and really changed um a lot of stuff in your life, which was kinky boots. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of, I was, I, you know, I, I, I had, I was with Blue Man a total of thirteen years on in the end, which was crazy because you just never think about doing a show for that long. And I mean, obviously, I did different facets and different shows, uh, but um, you know, I started subbing for Kinky Boots when I still worked for Blue Man. Like they hired me as a sub. Uh, stage manager to fill in for some vacations and things, and I kind of we we wait. My where way was where where was Kinky Boots? Uh, it was on. It was starting a tour, uh, so oh. I I weaseled into being the sub stage manager for the tour because they teched in Las Vegas, so they they teched okay. and opened oh, the tour in Las Vegas, I gotcha. and I was originally up for the tour as a permanent stage manager and didn't get it. Um, so then when they were teching in Vegas, I just kind of kept pestering them and said, you know, I said, Hey, I'm in town. I could come learn the show before you guys leave so that you have a sub standing by whenever it's time for the first person to take a vacation. And I managed, you know, they said, Oh yeah, if you want to come for free and do that, (laughs) great and then we can see if we like you before we commit to actually you know hiring you which i didn't say that out loud yeah win-win for them (laughs) so i came in and you know just immediately then they were like yep we're after my first like day there they're like we're hiring you and so i shadowed like three shows and then they called me then i went out to la for a solid week to for real train where you're actually getting paid um and then I literally subbed one week in January of 2015 and then a couple people ended up leaving the tour like within the next month and they offered me a full-time position. 
Uh, so I quit Blue Man Group with, I gave two weeks notice and I was out. Like it was crazy. Um, and it was scary. You know, I, uh, you know, I was like, I can't believe I'm only giving two weeks notice. But, you know, sometimes, but I had been trying to get on some sort of Broadway type show for probably five years or so. I would interviewed for various things and never get it because the line was, you don't have any Broadway experience. You can't possibly know how to do this. You know, it was really weird. Um, so I was like, well, maybe there's some mystery thing that goes on on a Broadway show that like, I won't know about, you know, <laughs> and it, there isn't, <laughs> there's not, uh, just, just in case out. anyone's no. wondering. So, um, so yeah, I, I left my job as the senior PSM for all of Blue Man and was the second assistant stage manager on the first national tour of Kingy Boots. And, um, and how long you know, were you, how long were you on the tour? I was just a little over a year. I was on the tour. Um, and where all did you go and what was your favorite place? Oh my gosh. So we, I did 36 cities in the year that I was on. Wow. Um, most of our sit downs were a week. We had a couple like two and three weekers, like in Chicago and LA Mm. and stuff. Um, you know, you're going to, I, the my favorite cities on tour that shocked me the most um, one Cincinnati. Oh, uh, you're not you're not just love, saying that because I I'm have not. roots there. <laughs> I'm not, and I met your mom. But you did. No, okay, you gave her a whole uh, what? backstage. Yeah. Show, oh, right, I remember this. Yeah. yeah, she came oh, backstage. She was like <laughs> living, living for that oh, tour. That was, was so super, awesome. so nice of you. She was. No, we definitely had. I this. was. I loved. I had that. We were in Cincinnati for two weeks, and I. What well, did you stayed in the over the Rhine area, right? Yes. Which is yes. like has done this total 180 and become yeah. like a very like hip neighborhood. It's very yeah. hip, yeah. Yeah. It, but still like newly hip. So it was even cooler mm-hmm. because, you know, it was like there was all this artwork and like street art and like all these things, but it was still very raw. Like it wasn't like fully, I'm sure it's, you know, that was four years ago or so. So I'm sure it's gotten I mean, more. It's- it is, but because actually the last couple of times I've been there, we've we've sort of like you know gone out to dinner in that neighborhood and everything, and it's still like you know ever so slightly rough around the edges. So basically, yeah. like it, like the perfect the perfect mix. Right. Uh, so right. it's still like you said, pretty newly, newly. Yeah. Yep. You definitely yeah. felt like you were seeing something like that was constantly changing, which was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, even though I was only there for two weeks, but. Um, uh, that was probably one of my biggest, like, I just didn't really know what to expect. I never really spent any time there. Um, so that was super fun. Um, what, I mean, of course I love Chicago cause I lived in Chicago for, for so long and have so many friends there and we were there for three weeks in the summer, you know, and it's just like, uh. Oh, so awesome. You know, I stayed in boys town and blue man housing for like $0 practically. And so it was great, you know, nice. um, so it was so much fun. Uh, those were definitely like that. That was, I had a great, I love touring. I absolutely love it. Like I definitely was in sort of like a very happy place on tour. It, it, mm. it just doesn't stress me out. I like traveling, you know, some cities really sucked. Um, but um, most of the time we were super busy. Like you didn't have a ton of time. And usually if it was a, 
crappy city. It was like, oh, we're only here for a week and then we're out, you know, so you Mm -hmm. got out of there pretty quickly. And, you know, of course, I love New Orleans, too. So we were in New Orleans and oh, nice. um, Love great time. How long were you in New Orleans? We were only there a week, but Mm. it was it was awesome. Um, and and how was the tour sort of received overall? Was it pretty full? Was it pretty popular? It was really popular. It did so they they really cautiously put that tour out. Um, we weren't even on a full production contract. We were like on the last tier. Now they have tiered production. They have full production and then they have tiers like A through mm-hmm. D, and it went out on a D, which is the lowest rung of the production contract, which means basically that they're not guaranteeing a big house. You know, they're just not saying they're going to make X amount of dollars. You know, the guarantee is very low. Um, But we killed it. And we, and on a not, when the production contract isn't a full production contract, you get paid, your pay goes down on those tiers as well. But if it's not full production, you get a take of the box office. If they okay. go over their oh. advance, if they go yeah. over, then the cast yeah. and crew get a tiny, tiny point zero zero blah 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 percentage of oh, the gotcha. of the. So take. then they can they can kind of mitigate the risk, but then still yep. like compensate their personnel if uh, if it does yeah. well. Uh-huh. And we were raking in the money. Like they were probably real sorry they didn't just put it out on a full mm-hmm. production because at least that first year, I'm sure it wind- winded down once they started repeating cities and stuff. But it was it was like we were on a better than full production. It was like wow, because wow. you know I I was concerned. I took a huge pay cut to go on this tour from where I was at Blue Man after so many years. But it was I mean it was it was great. And, and the, how did I, um, how did audiences uh, receive the show? Did it vary from city to city, or did, was it all pretty well received? I feel like people thought it was going like in some of the more conservative cities, like maybe not do so great, um, but it almost seemed the opposite. Like I hmm. feel like like I would frequently go out to the house, the front of house, to like deal with like house boards and like things that had to be changed for the show. So, you know, I would see ushers out there and, you know, a lot of these Broadway uh, subscription houses, you know, they have a older generation of usher who's been there volunteering for 20, 30 years, you know, and these people would come up to me and just tell me stories about how they've seen people affected by the show. And it was like, there was a couple of times I was like almost brought to tears because they were like, uh, you know. I'll just tell you one quick one. This, this, this older woman said she'd been ushering there for like 30 years. Um, I think it was in Peoria, Illinois. And she said that she saw a couple subscribers come out that she'd known they'd been subscribers for 20 years and they looked upset after the show. They looked like they weren't happy. So she said, Oh, is everything okay? Did you not enjoy the show? And the woman said to her, she said, you know what? My son's gay. And I've never said that out loud to another person in my life. And, you know, she's like, we love the show. We loved it. And we are going to, we have to talk to our son. I mean, it was like, 
things like that. People were That's just intense. coming That's up to amazing. me because they wanted to tell me this, how much the show meant to like the people that were watching it. Even though it doesn't technically have anything to do with being gay or straight or any of those things, people read into the different, sure. you know. Yeah. I mean, there is but, like a feeling there's of, there's a message ex- of otherness and yeah. Yes. Acceptance. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it definitely resonated and changed some people, I think. Um, so that was cool. Oh. It was cool to be on a show like that, you know, as frivolous sure. in some ways as it is, like it, it also means a lot to people. And the night that the marriage equality passed was mm-hmm. like, we were in Hartford, oh. Connecticut, and we asked permission. The actors really wanted to give a speech after the show to like acknowledge, because we had been in a rally that day. And like all of our uh, angels came out in drag and like we're part of the rally and all this stuff. Um, and so the, the, the straight man in the show uh, in real life, um, uh, straight male. <laughs> the one, the one straight yeah. one. There were a couple. Um, but the guy that plays the bully in the show, like the Don character, who's like the tough guy, oh, yeah, not yeah, accepting yeah. of the whole situation he gave the speech to the audience and it was, I mean, I still have it like recorded. I recorded it from the wings, you know? Um, and it was just this really heartfelt, you know, speech about how he gets to marry whoever he wants. And now all of his best friends in the world get to do the same. And it was, it was so cool. And the whole audience was just like cheering. And so it was like such a memorable night to, to be working wow. on a show like that. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, but was we but to, was we have to change. But, but Joseph was still better, right? Joseph in the, in the amazing yes. technical. What what I said? But Joseph was better still, right? A better experience. Yeah, calling Red that show like seven hundred and forty-two times. And green and ochre and peach, violet, fawn. See, oh, they're God. still stuck in your head. It's like burned <laughs> I know, in. It's terrible. Oh my goodness. Oh, so you fucking got to go to Broadway. To Broadway. Yes. The, the Broadway. Broadway. Oh, it was awesome. It was so cool. Um, yeah, so I, I left the tour to actually go work in like an events, for an events team in New York City, oddly. Um, a friend of mine was putting together a team at this marketing firm and wanted me to like be sort of his right-hand person. Um so I did that for a year, but while I was in New York, once again, I was like, hi, Kinky Boots, I know your show, because I was on the tour, and if you need a sub, you know, would you like to hire me? And they were like, nope, we have all the subs we need, thank you, though, you know, and some people from, some of the assistant directors, like, emailed and were very highly, very sweet to say nice things about me, um, but they didn't really need any subs and blah, blah, blah. So, but then fast forward, uh, you know, a month, I get an email. It's like, hey, are you still interested in maybe subbing? And would you want to come shadow the show so you could see how much different it is? And so I walked in the building and like really just like hit it off with everyone and had a great time. Like the best crew in the theater, in the professional theater at the Al Hirschfeld Theater. I mean, they were just awesome and made you feel like the crew loved that show. Like they were like, everyone's our family. Like they, everybody at that theater was just like in love with that show. Out of all the shows those guys and ladies had done over the years, you know, they just were like, this is our, this is it, you know? So, so yeah, so I, I subbed there like for a whole over a year while I was doing this other job, I would just like 
you know, sub when they needed me. And I lived in the city, so I could be there in like a matter of seconds. A lot of their subs lived like out Jersey mm-hmm. and stuff. So, so I was always there at like at the emergency at the thing. So then I pretty much was kind of their primary sub for over a year. Um, and that just so happened someone wanted to take a leave and I filled in. It was only supposed to be for eight months and it ended up being for the last year and a half of the show. So, um, so yeah, it was and great. To, it was great to close it, you know, and like be there for the closing. Oh, oh that's um, amazing. Was it just devastatingly emotional? Yeah, it, that whole like last three months was, I mean, so many fans were like coming to see the show again and people had signs in the audience, you know, it's just like, wow. I have a picture of like this whole row in the front row that each, they had a sign that said, we will miss you. And it was like each on a different card and they would just hold it up, you know, it was like crazy. So it was, it was a great, a great experience. I'm so lucky that that show was, you know, I don't know if it'll be my first and last Broadway show, but you never know. Um, but I'm so thankful for that experience, even if it is the only Broadway show I ever do. Um, I'm I mean, so what a, it, what, I was going to say, you know, what, a, what a great show for you to yeah. be involved in. Like uh, you said, even if it is sure. the only one you ever do. Yeah. And you had some amazing um, was, experiences, right? I you got to meet Brendan Yuri. You I got did. to work yeah. with Brendan Yuri for how long did he do the show? Like just for a, a summer. couple of months? Yeah, like two and a half, three months. And I was a sub at that point. So, you know, he probably doesn't know me from a fly on the wall at this point. But, you know, I did several shows with him that summer. He was super sweet, super nice. Um, Todrick was in the show for a bit also while I was a sub, Todrick Hall. I um, forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then of course, Jake, Jake Shear. Shears. Wait, what were you going to say? Wait, were you going to say something about Todrick? Oh, uh, no. Yeah, he, he was no. a little crunchy, but that's all right. Yeah. I, I, it is okay. what it is. I, I can see that. I have. Yeah. I've heard, I can see that. I've heard that from a number of sources, actually. Yeah. But um. T. Um. T. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, but yeah. Um, I, I. And my 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 secret second boyfriend that he just doesn't know it yet. Jake Shears. Oh, I love him. Oh, we had a blast. Was he? He's was like, he a peach? Like, what's what's he like? Oh is yeah. He fun? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Just amazing. So fun so just like loving and outgoing and just you know he i think he had a really good time uh um, how long how long did he do the show uh i think about three months okay yeah he did a three month ish stint um also david cook who oh uh, yeah one american idol a few years mm-hmm. back oh right right okay hmm. um just i mean he sang the hell out of that that's that those songs oh my he he added like uh, there's been many every every sort of famous person who came in to either play lola or charlie you know had kind of their own take on it um i just i enjoyed all of them honestly because they were all completely different um because we had like wayne brady he did lola for a while he was awesome too you know and but David Cook, like the soulfulness in his voice, like he just has like that um, kind of that bluesy country-ish soulful vibe. 
in, in especially in the soul of a man number that towards the end um, was just my dog continues to bark um, was amazing and just like he just, got, he just got excited about David Cook he was like I know I agree. Okay. And he, um, he was also, he loves sports, like nobody's business. So he played on our soft, our Broadway softball team (laughs) and he's really good. He's really, really good. So the crew was just like beside themselves that like, you know, he was like, oh yeah, that'll win win him over. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. "Yeah." yeah, yeah. So it was fun. And then we had Tyler Glenn, uh, from Neon Trees, the band. Oh yeah. Um, I actually don't know them. He was just awesome too. He was such a sweet guy. He was so nervous about, you know, he'd never done a, he'd done plays in like high school and stuff, but he, you know, in his adult career, he had not done like a show or a play. And so he was just like, he was so nervous, but it was so cute. It was adorable. Like he did a great job though. He was, he brought this whole other level. It was like so different and they were all so different, but it was fun. Um, I I have to bring this up because uh, you happened to you you spent some time with Jake Shears, right? You 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 chatted with him frequently. Yep. I think you had cocktails with him, and you also happened to hand him a copy of "Hello, My Name Is Billy." <laughs> yes, My <I> God, <laughs> I, I totally him. For- I emailed him one. Yeah, I totally I forgot. I legit forgot about that. Yep. <laughs> and. And when you told when you when you asked me or Scott or both of us or whatever, just like, could, should I could I send him this? And I was right. like, what? Oh my. So for yeah, those of you who sure. probably know, because really only there's only about three people that listen to this. And you you <laughs> unfortunately probably have known us since we were like, you know, 20. But um, hello, my name is Billy. We we um, we wrote that it was our first. A musical to get into the New York Fringe Festival, and Don agreed by some fucking miracle to stage manage our production. Which, if I honestly, if you had not been there, I we would not have made it. Like, <laughs> it, 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 we would not have made it. I mean, uh, like I, I concur. The nuts and bolts of the New York Fringe Festival, which sadly has has changed radically since we did it, and of course it, it didn't happen this summer at yeah. all. But um, you would be in a venue with uh, five to six other shows, and every every show had a fifteen minute setup period, a fifteen minute open uh, house open. Yeah, is that right? I think so. Show yeah. ran. Once the show came down, you then had 15 minutes to strike and you could only store um, fireproofed items at the venue. We we had to transport all of our props and costumes every time every to day. and from the venue, yeah. every single show. 
Um, and but the, the, on the bright side, we were lucky enough to get and I think it was the only year that La Passe en Rouge was a venue for the New York Fringe and we fucking landed it and it was a killer venue. Oh, yeah, we definitely we had great like, lighting. We won the lottery in terms of yeah, like venues sure. like that place was like and I would love to go do a show there at some point. Like when we did our last cabaret, we ended up doing Green Room 42 because of availability. But ever since we've done Billy, like I want to get back there just because it was such a great experience and like such a cool venue and i'm really really hoping that a lot of these indie music venues are able to like survive this current crisis because like because i'm on on a lot of their mailing lists and they're just like they're not getting any support and are still on the hook for rent and it's just a it's just a terrible situation but but happy memories yeah that that was like such a such a wonderful experience there um yeah yeah we had we had jonathan spencer who did our lighting design who's a a broadway designer and our um uh projections we had brian hemisoth who also is a, a do our costume design broadway costume designer just worked on the the spielberg west side story film um and of course we had don magyar uh who put this shit all together and when you when you submit you tell the the fringe how long your show is and then they give you exactly two times that amount for your tech rehearsal. So I think we were smart enough at that time to lie and say our show was two hours long, which was the maximum <laughs> amount of time that it could be. So we got four hours, but really our show was about 95 minutes, I would say, right? Or something something well, like that. And they I mean, weren't, they're not messing around either. There's like somebody they, to stand in there with a stopwatch. <laughs> like these aren't like and, loose parameters. Like they're not messing we, around. Well, remember, we had our venue manager had just gotten out of school and she was serious as a heart attack. She was and a when stickler. We, we, we came to words several times and finally I decided I could no longer speak to her. So um, that. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a little frustrating because I was yeah. like, we I'm like, I can only imagine like some of the the theater troops that like Fringe has to deal with. And I was like. We're like credible human beings right. that have worked in this industry for years, and like you, like you just she would not budge like a yeah. millimeter on anything. It was so frustrating. I was like, you're like right out of school. Like anyway, yeah. it was it was, was it was preemptively a, managing us, and we're like, we're fine. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah, just stop like we're good. That. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, have to she adjust was, she was a bit to much. different people in different situations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What are you, do you have any, like, um, I, I don't know if any of the, the stories are safe for work, but you know, this safe is a, we time. can, we can, we can curse on this podcast. We so, um, do you have any, any like favorite Tidbits, tales, memories of, of woe or joy? <laughs> um, <laughs> I just remember the, I just remember waiting outside that door before you could come in. It was just make, makes me laugh thinking about it. We would assemble all of us together and literally we're outside the stage door, like holding our scenery. Like the minute the door opens, we're like, ah, just like running in. And it's just like, Oh yeah. I remember our Anya would do mic checks. Anya would do mic checks. Our opening night 
like or whatever fringe yeah, for sure. times are so like weird who knows when it was but i remember we were stuck in traffic because of like mm-hmm. the part of the city that la poisson rouge is in you know we've got like you know we've got like props and whatnot you know we've got half of our actors we're stuck in traffic yep. and then we get you know we get to the venue and then yeah like she put us into mics like literally standing on the street as people yep. are like walking past uh it, yeah and then we like wait to get into into the stage door and yeah had like 15 minutes to like yeah. frantically run or run around like the house is on fire like it's not like it, yeah it's not it's not for to the get into heart. costume to do mic checks to do right. to set know, up the all, keyboard I mean, was, get the instruments in place like do a sound check like it it's insane right. it was insane right because everything has been changed like since you, you know because there's mm. been 42 other shows in there so it's like you never know like oh god what's gonna happen when we walk in here it's gonna be something but and and to try to do a musical in the fringe i feel like is is particularly uh i'm not i'm not sure what the word masochistic like just like (laughs) to add all of that element and try to get a good sound mix and yeah right i don't remember there being very many like scary technical moments though like no, in a performance like there was like one like night much. i think like one of the video stra- screens cut out like right. maybe mid show so we didn't oh, get yeah. all of it we didn't, we didn't get all, get the all of it in or yeah something. yeah but like yeah. yeah those those projectors the projectors were a little temperamental but in terms of everything else like i don't think we ever had a mic problem which is crazy mm. yeah um like we, insane we, and we got and it, we, we had really Oh no, sorry. What? I was going to say we uh I think it was our, our opening performance. We had a couple walkouts, which always makes me very happy. So, yes. from my vantage yep. point yep. on stage, I could see the <laughs> the couple like open their large fringe brochure and like have like a very intense conversation uh and then like get up and walk out. So, I was like, "Okay, our work here is done." So. Didn't and, yeah. Casey, and yeah. Casey McClellan won the award that year, yeah. right? For best actor and Yes, for best who was best well, actor. Yes. Well yeah. deserved. Which is it was a which is pretty fucking enormous considering yeah. how many shows yeah. are going on at that festival. I mean, it is uh, it is a huge, huge thing. And we had done, so he had done that role. We had written a song like five years before, and then we had done a first read at the duplex, and then we had done a short run at the duplex, and then... I guess it would have been the following, not that next summer, but the following summer is when we got into, into the fringe. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, even though it was a fucking shit show, I have, I, it always makes me smile when I think about it always. And, and do you remember Tom Kingsley who was doing our marketing and press and the last performance, he like let someone in like a side door, like someone that, was a part of our party or like was a relative or something. It was, it was not like a random stranger, but, but someone in the venue or maybe it was the venue director saw him and then kicked him out. Oh yeah. You got oh, the, yeah. the venue. Thrown he had out. to wait out. He got thrown out. He had to wait until the show was over to come back in and help us do our loadout for the final show. Oh my God. It was so, oh. I felt so bad. I felt so bad. Oh my oh, goodness. My well, and I, let's the- not, Let's not forget oh. that you also made a glitter razor blade. I, I did a big one and a small one. For yeah. Comedy. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And Schneider, you have that on your wall, don't you? I do. Yes. I was like, <laughs> it's, uh, it is, a, it is 
been incorporated into my into my life. It's hanging on my wall at home because yeah, I I, I, like Tim history worked worked out. But like like Tim, I I, like only even though it was like the parameters of the fringe were insane. It is definitely like in the top three, if not my favorite like experience like in theater and working with people. I just thought it was like such an amazing, fun group of actors and the show, even though it's like really dark and disturbing is also like funny. Um, And like, they just would make me laugh. The actor is like every single performance. Like they just made me laugh. It was so much fun. It was really, well, I mean, that's, that's how we met Dantzler first Mm -hmm. of all, which is, which is, which was in and of itself, quite such a gift but that was also do you remember that um aaron uh kleiner was 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 realizing that this might be a professional like um, mishap stain so like at the last minute he was like um i'm gonna change my name to aaron klein (laughs) we were like we're like and we're like that's gonna like like, that's that's not gonna throw people you change like a couple letters of your last name oh my gosh just absurdity absurdity oh my god um ah well okay so what else did we work on together i know that you you helped us uh with several um uh evolution shoots or not yeah i think yeah i think you were there for a couple of different Mm -hmm. times when we when we captured stuff um of the video of the evolution video but i was trying to think of what Um, other things that that we worked on she together also for, stage, through No Hope. She also stage managed our first major reading of uh, a show called All Fall Down, which we now have rebranded oh, as, right. as Monsters, which is a sort of um, a series of uh, sort of that's like right. 15, 20 minute musicals about sort of crazy real life uh, occurrences. Um, yep. Uh, right. So, and yeah. we did that at the duplex. Mm-hmm. That's right. Duplex, yeah. I did one okay. more duplex cabaret, I think, one of the cabarets. Um, okay. Uh, that was, I think that was, oh, I don't remember if it was, I think it was after Billy, but then before All Fault, somewhere in the middle there um, at the duplex. Because I remember Oh, Brand- it was ready for the change. Yeah. It was ready for the change. That was. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was the, yes, that was a, a fateful uh, event. <laughs> um, Chris Reese played, Chris Reese played at that, at that one, played oh, yeah. the bass and guitar at that one. Remember? Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. And was Brandy being filmed for her? I feel like she was. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Which some of that footage. Oh my god! I totally forgot about that because some of the footage ended up in actress. Oh. Uh, uh, Her documentary. The song um, "Fools Like Mm -hmm. You." Yeah, Yeah. that was the right. um, Oh right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That was a fun, that was also a really fun experience because we had that tech early in the day and then we had just enough time to not go anywhere really. So we all stayed together and had food and drinks and went to the water. Remember we went to the pier and oh, yeah. um, we have a, we have a bunch of pictures from that day. And then we came back and just like fucking blew that show off, yeah. off the charts. It was, it was yeah. a great show. That was fun. It was very fun. Um, so Don, before we get on to the 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 final section which is <laughs> going to hear from you about a musical you hate or dislike um i was curious cuz i think you have actually been <laughs> surprisingly listening 
to a lot of this podcast. <laughs> and you and I had talked the other day about, you know, some things you agree with Scott and some things. No. Um, I mean, God knows why you agree with Scott, but and and you agree with me on some things or hopefully most things. Listen, but this is I was all, curious. This is all subjective. Like she oh. can side with whoever she wants to side with. <laughs> but I was I was curious, like if you just had any that you wanted to highlight of of times you either agreed or disagreed with both of us. Yeah, I of us. I I wanted to make like some kind of witty chart or something that was like <laughs> but, like this declared like who I agreed with more or disagreed with but it was pretty evenly split like I couldn't really, really yeah I mm-hmm. couldn't like there were things where I was like you know like but I wanted there were definitely it's, it's definitely almost 50 50 like I definitely agreed with both of you or disagreed with both of you pretty equally, not necessarily on the same things, but, but the one thing that stood out was when Tim, so in my mind, I've always thought that I really liked the musical gypsy. Like I, you know, it's not like one of my favorites, but I didn't necessarily have anything against it. You know, I was like, eh. But Tim's sort of critique of that show has really kind of made me think about the content of that show and how kind of terrible it is. (laughs) I mean, you know, and even some of the music, like the only song I really love out of that show is um, Some People. Like, I think it's in the first act. It's like very early on. Like, I love that song, like the message of that song, but the rest of them are just really kind of terrible, you know? And it's like, <laughs> it's like putting your kids out there that don't really want to be doing this. And then, you yeah. know, and, yeah, it, she has to run away so she can be with the person she loves. And I don't know, just kind of bad, bad parenting. Jesus. But, um, but yeah, I think that's the only one that kind of changed my mind of the rest of them. Like, I either, you know, obviously totally disagreed with one of you not liking something or liking something. I totally agree with the whole Joseph dislike situation. Um, I loved American Idiot as well. I loved American Idiot. Um, uh, wait, did- wait, you saw, we talked, cause you texted yes. me and you saw Billy Joe play. Um, uh, what was his name? What's the character's uh, name? St. Jimmy. Jimmy. St. Jimmy, St. Jimmy, yeah. Yeah. I saw the show twice. I saw it without him first. And then I had this crazy thing where it was, I realized it was closing night of that show. And I was living in New York. And I just was like, I got to see the show again. Like, I didn't realize, I think, that it was closing so quickly or whatever. So I was like, I I need to see the show again. And Billy Joe had been in it like the last month or something to like, sell some tickets before they went out. Um, So I'm like, oh, then I definitely have to see it. Like, I have to go see this. So I got two tickets and I didn't have anyone to go with me, but I'm like, I can find somebody. And like, nobody wanted to go. So I finally talked uh, Dana Viltz into going. She didn't really want to go either, but I'm like, come on, just go with me. She's like, I don't really want to see it. I'm like, oh, come on. So we went and you know, we're outside waiting to go in and we see Billy Joe arrive with his wife and his two kids. And I was like, Oh my God. And so then we went in and I mean, the the energy of the closing night plus he came out on that stage and as much as I love, I loved the show American idiot. 
I never listen to the soundtrack because I do not, it, it sometimes rings a little too musical theatery. Like they, I love the album and I listened to the album when it came out right. religiously. And in fact, my former boss at Blue Man, Chris Kanowitz, when the album came out, he and I were working late one night and he's like, you should listen to this all the way through from beginning to end. Cause I still had, he's like, how much longer are you working tonight? I said, oh, like another couple hours. He's like, here, take this CD. It was a CD at the time. Listen to it from beginning to end. He's like, this should be a, a musical. This should be a rock opera. It has to be. And I was like, and then I listened to it. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know exactly what it would be about, but yeah, it should be something. But Billy Joe came out on that stage and I was like, this is the difference between a rock star, like a real rock star and someone sort of pretending to be like rock and rolly, you know, and not that there was anything with the, the actor that played it, you know, before he was great. I thought he was awesome. But Billy Joe came out on that stage and it was like it. I mean, for one thing, the whole place went nuts, but he oh, sure. owned that material and like I mean, he owns it. It's his. And it took it to this level that just like literally blew the room out. Like it was, it was one of the most amazing moments that I've ever witnessed. And especially having seen it before. And right. plus, you know, everyone was just so, the, the energy in that room was so high already. It was like a rock concert, you know? So it was to see that in that moment was like literally blew me away. I was like, whoa, this is. This is on another level that, you know, took really bumped it up a notch, but yeah, uh, cool. I wish I had yeah. seen that. I wish I had seen him. And Dana uh, we was like, about... I'm so glad I came to see this. <laughs> <laughs> of course she was. Oh my God. She would love that shit. I know. I know. She loved it. We both did. We were like, oh my God. But it was great. Um, I wish that I, you know, I've talked about this all the time. I just wish that they had put it in a smaller fucking theater because I think it would have lasted longer. I mean, yeah. I understand it was probably expensive and there was a pretty big cast, but that theater is enormous. Like yeah. what? The, 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 if they yeah. had put it in the Walter Kerr or something, yeah. like it probably would have lasted like two years or two and a half years. And I think it lasted just a little over one, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and Kevin Adams. Uh, lighting designer won the Tony oh. for that, and he also did the lighting design for the Vegas reboot at the Monte Carlo, right? And probably after that as well. But I left at the Monte Carlo, so yeah, he was the lighting designer uh, for Blue Man, and he did our Blue Man Hollywood Bowl show too. He's awesome lighting designer, amazing. Oh, uh, what do you have any other um, uh, any other um, like? Let's you know, likes or dislikes and or little anecdotes before we um, before we move on to. I wrote, I definitely, my my loves that you've talked about, definitely Jesus Christ Superstar, Little Shop, Hedwig. Um, and the hates that I, I agreed with, it was very different ones of you, but I hate Wicked. I just <laughs> can't get, I love the books. I love the books. Um, Annie and Joseph were also on my hate list. Um, and, and with Wicked, like I didn't even read, I saw Wicked and I was so disliked it. I saw it in the Chicago pre-Broadway, I think. And I was like, why was this made? And so then I was <laughs> curious about the book because I'm like, I really want to read this book. Like, why would they? And then I read the book and it was totally different. And I was like, this book is awesome. If they would have made a musical about this book, Totally. It's so dark and weird and like 
interesting yeah you know and i, I just like, read it i just read it this summer as a like oh, yeah. from when scott talked about it and i yeah i was like this is not what's on stage at all <laughs> but that's what was so frustrating because i'm like this could have been an interesting yeah. show but exactly but yeah So, oh. drum roll. Drum roll. Right. Okay. Don Magyar, Time. what is the musical yeah. that you hate? Well, and would you say you, would you qualify it as hate it or just, you know, dislike it intensely or could do without it? Or was that what, that's what Shanna said, right? I could yeah. do without this musical. I think, I think, I think American musical theater in general could have just done without this really happening. Um, okay. Um, and I want to preface it by saying I am also probably too old to really like this in general. Like, even if it was super, super well done and exciting, I'm not sure I would have. I, I definitely would have connected probably with the material. And I also have to admit that I left this show at intermission. I disliked it <laughs> so intensely. Oh, well, oh my God. Now I can't wait. <laughs> you had that strong of a reaction. <laughs> so I had to like listen to act two like, oh my God. on, the, on, a, on the, my iPod because I was like, I didn't even make it to act two, which unfortunately <laughs> I think the best song in the show is in act two, but I it didn't oh. even, I couldn't even wait to, you know, I was like, I gotta go. Um, so, and it, um, it's the musical Be More Chill. Oh my God. You know, that's when you said you, when you said you were too old to enjoy it, I was literally thinking, I wonder if she's going to say Be More Chill because I <laughs> hate, I will say, I hated that musical. Um, yeah, it only, you know, it, it had a very, very successful off-Broadway run, mostly fueled by people listening to it on Spotify. Um, mm-hmm teenagers um and you know i had some colleagues at the time i was doing the broadway kinky boots who would who went to see it multiple times at the pershing square uh theater where it was and they kind of loved it and thought it was quirky and fun and you know um and so you know i wanted to see it because i was so curious about how this show that really because of spotify followers and listeners like jettisoned up to the broadway level went to broadway right right um and it only ran it didn't it only ran a few months um from march 2019 to august 2019 so um it did 177 performances and was nominated for one tony for of all things best score which was sort of the thing i hated about it the most (laughs) um uh, I was like, how do I describe this show? I feel like it was... If you, <laughs> what is it about? I like, can't, I don't I even can't know. describe it. When I tell people I dislike this show and they're like, why? I'm like, I can't even describe the, what the plot was. It was so such a clusterfuck. I mean, it, so basically it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it takes place in high school. It's um, a geeky, unpopular guy who who, you know, wants to fit in and wants everyone to like him. And um, so he finds out about this pill you can take to be more chill. 
And the pill is, is, is basically like a supercomputer that only is activated by green Mountain Dew. Oh my God, so, I'm having flashbacks. I'm having flashbacks <laughs> now. Yes, it only gets odder it's, from the there. The pill is called a SQUIP, which stands for Super Quantum Unit Intel Processor. And it's from Japan. And you swallow this pill and it talks to you in your head and tells you how to, like in situations in real time, like do this, don't do that, wear this shirt, don't wear that shirt, if you want to be cool and liked by everyone. So, so you take this pill and then the pill in the show actually has a physical manifestation of a character. So there's a guy who is the squip who has scenes, you know, so it's not just like a voice in his head in the dramatization of this show. And the guy is supposed to be like Keanu Reeves. And I was like, Okay, yes, I'm already done they... when it started. What? Was... Yes, so the... like yes, Keanu so... Reeves is basically a character. I'm like that. Yes. At that point, I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tapping out. Yeah. So he, so he, he, you know, so he takes this pill. He's in love with a girl who's they're in a play together, and so he's, you know, it's like the typical twist and turn of like a teenage saga of, um guy trying to be popular he's in love with a girl who he you know who doesn't like him in the moment so he you know he he dabbles with these other girls and then she eventually comes around and it all turns out that you know that he should have just trusted his him himself and but meanwhile like this whole in in you know you have to have this Keanu Reeves guy talking about you know how to be cool and then the, the main character of the show, Jeremy, who this poor loser geeky guy, he, you know, lives at a house with his dad who never wears pants. And I mean, it's just, uh, you know, his dad's like lost his will to, you know, his dad's very detached oh and not interested in his of, life. I forgot and about never the wears never pants wears pants until the end when he finally puts pants on. And it's just, I mean, the thing to it's literally... I was like, if you took the worst part of Rocky Horror, the movie, so you know at the end of the Rocky Horror movie where it just starts to get like real stupid and weird and everyone wanders away and no one watches it anymore. It's like that (laughs) mixed with um, uh, Saved by the Bell. And <laughs> except they all just scream at each other all the time. Oh like, yeah. There's that's, it's always, it's at an 11. It's just screaming yeah. the entire and show there's a, screaming. There's a little bit of, of a, a, um, a little shop of horrors in the sense that the squip at the end is trying to take over the whole school. So it's trying to like give these pills to all the people so it can like take over the whole universe like the computer, it's like a whole robot, blah, 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 you know, uprising. So, you know, and, and the, the only way to deactivate the squip is to drink red Mountain Dew, which has been discontinued for years. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, my God. I love, wow. Love, oh, my God. I mean, having only, you read the, back these plot points is like fucking gold. <laughs> like it's, I know. It's, it's, it's just you know the thing that makes me sad about it i mean in sitting in the theater there were just tweens aplenty just like on the edge of their seat just like (laughs) like 
quivering with anticipation. People were like freaking out. Like everyone around me was significantly younger than me and were like, just like it was the best piece of live entertainment they have ever seen in their entire life. And it made me feel like, like is something wrong with me? And like, no. And it was, it was surreal. It was just a surreal experience in that sense that I'm like having a polar opposite reaction than all of these people that I was surrounded by. And I, you know, and the thing for me too, I guess the, 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 the most popular song that gained the most notoriety is the Michael in the bathroom song, mm-hmm. which is an act two, which I did not see. Um, I, you know, I've, I've watched clips of it, but I didn't see it actually performed. By then, I was so like assaulted by this music that is just like someone beating you with senseless with a sledgehammer, you know. And I'm just like, oh my! And it's not really even that clever, like the rhyming schemes and the. It's just all like, I'm gonna keep doing this in rhyming words, yes, 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 you know. And I'm just like, I can't, you know. And thank God I left because in Act Two, when I just listened to Act Two the other day, the opening number, the, the Act Two opens at a Halloween party where they're all just screaming about going to a Halloween party. And then, like, a song later is somebody sets the house on fire that the Halloween party is at. So then there's a whole song about Rich set the house on fire, Rich set the house. And it's just, like, people screaming, screaming, screaming again. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord. When Rich set a fire and he burned the house down When Rich set a fire and he leveled the town When Rich set a fire and he fled to Bombay When Rich set a fire cause they knew he was dead When Rich set a fire and he melted his head When Rich set a fire and he's totally dead When Rich set a fire and he burned down the house You know, it was a relentless auditory assault was yeah. like it was just relentless and it was so <laughs> frustrating because like I had no expectations for the show I didn't know right. really anything about it other than like you said the whole Spotify thing and I'd read articles like uh, beforehand and so I was like kind of like expecting to yeah. like something about it because I also really liked that it was like an original musical like I know that the I actually don't remember who the composer is but like he had been it's like Joe Iconis but like yeah. he'd been around for like 20 years and he had like a lot had he's like a whole troop of people is my understanding and actors that are like very yep. dedicated to his work work and like he does like annual shows and so I was like oh my god there's so many things that I like like about this on paper and so I was like I was like 
had really no expectations of the show, but was like right. excited about a lot of that, a lot of those features like in concept. Um, and then like had the exact same experience as you and was just like, what is this? Like, what yeah. is this? And what am I missing about this? Cause I, yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, and it makes you feel like, you know, I, you know, I guess my first thought was like, well, this show clearly isn't for me. Like it's not, and it, the same as you, I went to go see it because I'm like, this is like a social, like sort of like a little bit of a revolution of like, these people got this show to go on Broadway. So like, that's why yeah. I was curious to see it. Cause I'm like, I want to see like what all these people were like, this has got to go to the next level. Like, you know, and it looked, I mean, it was very flashy and very like the look of it was very cool, you know, and all of that stuff. Um, but it just didn't, um, I was reading reviews of it and uh, my favorite quote <laughs> was from Chris Jones from the Chicago Tribune. He wrote, it's the next to normal for teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> when you really said screaming a lot, I was like, oh, that's what it sounds yeah, like. You know what? The other thing that bothered me about this is when I was wa- when I was watching it, I was like all the tweens and teens around me freaking out. And I was like, I was like, okay, maybe I'm just too old for this. This show's for right. somebody, but it's not for me. Like, it's I just like, so fine, like, let it be for them. But, but, and then I was like, you know, like, I was so obsessed with Rent when it came out, and I was like young, and a lot of older people then were like, this show is what it is and, and ridiculous. But then, like, after seeing, which I actually stuck through the second act, believe it or not, although yeah. uh, it's the closest I've come to walking out of a show in a very long time. But like, after the show, I was thinking about it, I was like, no, that's total bullshit when i think about these two shows like in rent there was like actually like a cohesive plot and there's stakes like there's stakes the thing that annoyed me so much about this show be more chill is that like the stake was like being popular and it, like there was just no, there was no, nothing about it that like like in that that invested me in the story, and uh, yeah, I just I found that to be like so frustrating and like such yeah. an offense. But I also didn't know until afterwards when I read up that it had originally been like a YA novel or something like a young adult, and I'm like, okay, so that makes more sense to me now. Like yeah. I thought what? it was like a fully yeah, was, original a story. Yeah, by yeah. Um, a guy named Ned Vin. Benzini, um, a 2004 novel. Uh, yeah. So then I was like, all right, I guess I kind of understand more why the story is like well, what it, it is. It was, yeah, it was so oddly outdated. Like it felt, it was brand new, but it felt old to me. Like I'm like, we're really telling this story again, like with weird Keanu Reeves references. Like, it seemed like an old man's version of what it was like to be a teenager. That's it what kinda, it felt like to me. It kind of did. Why. And now I'm, I can't remember why, but it's like almost like they were citing technology that was like six years old. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah. be, the, the, I'm, I'm just looking up and the novel was actually published in 2004. Yeah. Okay. So that is probably yeah. part of it. But then it it debuted or it premiered um, at Red Bank in Jersey. Yep. Two River yep. Theater, which I actually have been to. Tom Deckman did a show there oh, okay. uh, in June of 2015. Mm-hmm. So that's a, you know, yeah. with, in terms of technology, that's a, a pretty big gap leap. when you're talking about something. Yeah, that's right. so I wish te- I could remember too, but I feel like they had flip phones or something like that, that it was yeah, like, to your point, Don. oddly like... retro, but maybe that's why <laughs> the kids liked it. I don't know. But I, I feel like you, Scott, like I was like, 
you know, if I could like give a PSA to like the tweens that like that thing, it's like, you're way better than this. Like, you, you, you are totally. so much smarter and more like complex and interesting yeah. than this thing. Like, I just, yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that you know, even though, like, I'm happy that at least some of those young people also really loved Hamilton. You know, totally. so. I at least feel like there's a chance, you know, like moving forward in the American I mean, theater because if this I, mean, I didn't open... think I didn't love like Hamilton wasn't for me like a rent, but I totally it's a well crafted production and about something yeah. that mo- sort of matters and yeah. is interesting. I feel the, you yeah. know? I feel yeah. the, I feel the um, same way. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. So yeah, that was so... um so the the PSA is you're better than this. You're better than this. <laughs> but true, like if it, if it if it opens the door to them having like better theatrical experiences, then <laughs> then I'm glad that be more chill at its right. brief brief stint on Broadway. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hopefully they learned a lesson from this, and you know, they should just listen to it on Spotify and be yeah. done with it. <laughs> I'm sorry that you had to oh go through gosh. the experience. I am. Of, I'm sorry you had to I go through so the experience that I of didn't listening get to, to it again. Do what? I said, I'm sorry you had to go through the experience of being orally assaulted again. I was like, when I walked out there, I was like, I will never listen <laughs> to that score again in my entire life again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had heard from enough people not to go, but I did listen to some of it uh, yeah. on like Apple Music or whatever. And I, and I yeah, I, I had the same response. I was like, I, none of this is catching me. You know, none of this mm-hmm. is like feeling, making me feel like I should listen to this show. But, but, you know. So no, it's I, well, when I listened to it again, I thought maybe there's, you know, maybe I missed something. And I was like, nope. nope. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm well, well, Don, thank you yes. so much thank for you. spending some time with us. Of course. Um, it's been amazing to talk to you and really, really amazing to just hear about your journey. Also, I, I, I love knowing all of the details. I mean, I feel like I've. I've known some of the major plot points, but it was amazing to hear more stuff. And I just love, like, even from when you're talking about the way that you got into the box office at the the theater in Tucson, and then the same fucking thing for the national tour and Broadway. She's like, you know what? This has worked for me before, (laughs) so I'm going to fucking keep doing it. It's just inspirational. The verb of like weaseling, I thought it was like super fun and cute. (laughs) And like, but like really the persistence and being like, hey, I'm here, even after being told no, um, because like, what does no really mean? Like, right. you know, you know, yeah. but and to the, and then to just sort of like circle back and remind them and being like, huh, you know, and being open to like, I'll learn the show for free. Like, I don't know. I feel yeah. like there's a, there's a, there's a lot to be said for all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And also just talking about, I mean, I like last week I was like going through some stuff with, with just thinking about the, the loss of what we were talking about, the collective experience of mm. theater. And, yeah. and the, there is just nothing like standing up for Cynthia Arrivo for four minutes after she just fucking blew you away after singing I'm here. And, and everyone in the audience is going through the same yeah. cathartic, yeah. you know, 
revelation and being so sad about where we are right now with that. And it's, 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 it's good to have these moments of connection and feel like we, you know, it, I don't know, it makes me feel a little bit better. So, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Oh my God, my God. Um, All right. Well, here we are. No Hope the Podcast signing off once again. I am Tim Allmiller. And I'm Scott Schneider. That's Scott Schneider. And you have been hearing from Don Magyar. um, And we hope all of you are taking care of yourselves and uh, being nice to people and fucking voting and, um, you know, doing everything that you can to get us out of the mess we are in. Is that it? That's it. <laughs> it's a wrap. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey.